What I want to discuss is, uh, is, is something in, in the parasha that kind of always gets um, forgotten or missed out or we don't really look at it. But if you go, the, the parasha is fascinating. There's so much in Bahalotcha um, and it's such a beautiful parasha. And, um, but I don't know why, but I have a bit of an obsession sometimes with like the instruments, the musical instruments that are mentioned in the Torah and just to try and understand where they come from and why, they, and why they're there. And what happens with them? What, what, what is the purpose of having these things in the Torah? So if you go to um, Bamidbar um, Yud, which is right at the beginning of chapter 10, um, we will see, sorry, let me just get there. Yeah, so we'll see there at the beginning of Bamidbar Yud, the, um, some very, very interesting things dealing with the, the different... Um, the, the different things that we use. So let's start and we say the following. So Hashem speaks to Moshe and he gives him a new mitzvah. And the new mitzvah is, make for yourself two two silver trumpets, that must be made in a special way, that must be hammered out, that must be properly crafted. And they must be used to call the Ada, <coughs> to call the whole community, to call everybody together, and as a means of um, ensuring that all the machanot, all the different encampments that we've been speaking about over the last couple of weeks in the parsha, that those will start moving. So he makes, he's got to make these two chatzotrot um, of kesef, kesef is silver, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to make, make them out of Kesef, we need to understand. And they're used for two things. The one is to call everybody, and the other one is to make sure that everybody will move at the right time. And then the Torah says, we'll just go through the Psukim, and then we'll come back and go into the, a bit of understanding. Then the Torah says, and you'll blow them. Uh, that's the general translation of the word Tekiah, is just to blow. But we'll have to understand that the word Tekiah doesn't only mean to blow. There's much, much, much deeper in it. And when you do this tekiah blast, then everybody will be aware and they'll come. No, I do from the word um, uh, vad. Vad means to come together in an assemblage. El petach oel ma'ed to the entrance of the oel ma'ed, to the entrance of the, of the mishkan. And if you blow only one of them, then all the princes that we spoke about who are the, the, the leaders of the tribe, they'll know that they need to come together. Rasha Alpha Israel, that comes with come the, uh, the leaders of the thousands of the, of the Jewish people, they'll have to come together. And when you blow a truer sound, then all the encampments that are, um, in, that are camped, they'll know that it's time to, to move. Kedma, that's time to, um, on the east, because that's where everything um, started, the east will start moving forward and then they'll follow as they need to follow. Then it says, so that's if there's one true. And if you blow a second, if you blow a second truer um, sound, then they'll blow then the one, um, then, then, sorry. If there's a second sound, then the ones that are on the, on the, on the south, will move forward. Try and there's always the the 
the, the blowing is what's going to encourage them to make the movement that they need to do. To do, to, to do. And when you want to, um, to gather everybody together, you blow a takia sound and you don't blow a terua sound. And the Kohanim will be blown, sorry, the Chatzotrot the, will be blown by the Kohanim specifically. And this is a chok forever. This is the, the din, is that for all generations, the Kohanim are the ones that blow these, um, these trumpets. And then it says, so when would the Kohanim be blowing the trumpets? Obviously, not in the time of the Mishkan, because in the time of the Mishkan is only the time where, they, where they're traveling. So when the Kohanim would be blowing throughout the generations, that must be when they're already settled in the land of Israel. So that's why it says, when a war comes in the land of Israel, against the tsar, an aggressor that comes against you, then you have to blow a truer, is a truer sound. So there's two sounds that we're already hearing from the psukim. The one is the tekiah sound, and the one is the truer sound, which you need to try and understand. And you will be remembered before Hashem, and Hashem will deliver you from your enemy, from your enemies. So that's already in wartime. We see that there's a certain type of blowing, and then you'll be um, delivered from your enemies. And the last pass we're looking at, then we're going to go back and try and understand all of them. And on your days of your Simcha and your Chagim and your Rosh Chodesh, again, you do a Tekia sound with the Chatzotrot. Remember, at war, there was a Teruah sound. When the time comes for Simcha and Rosh Chodesh and all nice things, it's a Tekia sound. On all the offerings, on the burnt offerings and on the Shlamim offerings. And there will also be a remembrance between Hashem. I am Hashem, your God. So there's a lot going on in these psukim that we need to try and understand in order to try and see what it is that Hashem is giving these mitzvahs for. Because it seems to be like why that you're using these chatzotrot for, firstly, for the movement we understand, for the gathering we understand, but then they come later on when B'nai Israel are already in their, um, in their place that they then used number one for war and number two for, for times of Simcha. But in the times, and both times, it speaks about our Kodesh Baruch Hu will remember them. So let's try and understand and see where we get to that. Um, and hopefully from that, we'll have a, a, be, a better understanding of what these things are all about. So there's a Benish Chai, which is, is really sheds a lot, of, a lot of light onto these things. The Benish Chai is really, he's... Um, He's a great um, Sfardi, one, one of the great Sfardi halachists. In actual fact, until um, Rabbi Vadia Yosef, who, um, who passed away a couple of years ago, until he came onto the scene, no one challenged the Benish Chai um, from the Sfardi world. So he was great. He was a, he was a, he was a makubal. He was a halachist. He was unbelievable. And, um, and he was really the, the definitive word on uh, Sfardi halacha for the most part, until along came Rabbi Vadia Yosef. But the Benish Chai just sits as this um, as the support of the of the Sfardi world in many ways. So he says the following: Why do you need two chatzotrot? Why do you need them to be made out of kesef? And what's the so important? So he says the following: That 
the two chatzotrot are coming to teach us two things. They're coming to teach us, firstly, that you have two different types of Torah which calls to B'nai Israel. You have the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat And those two types of Torah are what, are what really call us in the time of when we are needed to move in our lives, to move forward, to move backwards, to stop, to gather together. The Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat the oral and the, and the written law, are the things that define how we do things. And then he says, why is it why does it have to be made out of kesef? What's so important about kesef? So he says that kesef is actually a word that, um, you know, kesef is a word that we refer to as money, we, silver, but it's really, it's, it's like the generic term for money. Why, he says, because the word kesef, the word means, is actually a language that implies desire for something physical. Um, yeah, there's, there's a beautiful, beautiful zmira. Every sing on Shabbos called Ya Echsof. Ya Echsof Noam Shabbos, which means Hashem Echsof Noam Shabbos, uh, bring me into the desire of the beauty of Shabbos. Because the word Kesef means desire. So he says that the reason is that they made out of Kesef is to in, in, imply the desire that we should have to be able to follow the Torah Shabbat Peh and the Torah Shabbat and why must it done be mixture? Why must it be done hammered and, and carefully done by the by appropriate um, artisans? Because Because if it's done by art, uh, a, a, an ex, an expert artisan, he'll make sure that they are that they are identical. That there's no difference in the sounds that are coming from one and the other. It's got to be done perfectly. So the sounds and the implication that's coming from the Toshabal pair. And, and the Torah Shabbat must be the same in order that there's no confusion for the for B'nai Israel. And as we go through, we'll see that the, the way it's blown, each blow has a specific meaning in it for B'nai, for B'nai Israel. So um, he says the following. He says, the Torah Shabbat has got seven books. Now, as I say that to you, the, 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 written, the written Torah has got seven books. Now, I'm... I'm looking and I'm thinking, you all know that how many books are there in the Chumash? You're, we all saying it on Pesach, right? Who knows five? I know five. Five are the books of the Torah. So why is the Ben Ishchai telling me that there are seven books of the Torah? Anybody want to venture an answer? I know it's like a public forum, but you can still, all okay. No one's going to be shut down. Why? Where do you get seven books of the Torah? Okay, I'll take that as no one. Okay, so the seven books of the Torah, the, the place we find the seven books is actually in this week's parsha as well. We know that in the parsha, there are two verses. Those two psukim are surrounded by, they, they, we call them upside, upside down nuns, but they're different nuschat as to actually how you're supposed to write them. So there are these two psukim that are surrounded by these, by these flipped letters. Um, and those two psukim, many of, many of the Mepharshim explain, create a break in the Sefer of Bamidbar. So the Sefer of Bamidbar is actually divided up into three different Sfarim. There's the first part, and so you get to the Vayib in Suharon, and if you go through the, 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 the Parsha over, over Shabbos, you'll see it, or over the week, you'll see it. It goes up to Vayib in Suha, then Vayib in Suha, and the one that we say when we take out the Torah and the one that we say when we put back the Torah 
Those two psukim create a break, that which according to the Mepharshim is a separate book. And then the next part is another book. So the book of Bamidbar actually is divided up into three different books. And therefore you've got five, six, seven books of the Torah. Okay, which is an amazing thing to think about. You know, we, we so fixated on the five books of the Torah, but in actual fact, Chazal tell us there's more. <laughs> and the minute there's more, it already means that we have to start thinking about it. And it's an amazing thing to think because we know. I was having a chat with my mother-in-law, and um, she's a nice thing to do, right? Huh? And, uh, and I was chatting with my mother-in-law, and she was, you know, she's, a, she's a musical genius. And she, um, she was explaining music to me. And music exists in, we think it's in eight notes, but it's not really in eight notes. And music really exists in seven notes plus the next note. goes up the octave. So seven, seven are the days of the week. Seven is everything. The whole world is made up of seven. And it's only when Mashiach is going to come that musical notes and everything will move out of the number seven into the number eight. But if that's the case, then the Torah itself needs to contain the number seven. Because if seven is everything, then the Torah also has to be everything. Which means that the, the book of Bamidbar enables the Torah to fit into the system of the Shiva Bereshit, of the, the, day, the days of the creation of the world, and of everything that works within it. So that's just, a, there's a lot to say on that, but that's not, I don't want to, to um, get lost in that. I want to continue focusing on the point of the Shiva. So we have, so the first, the Torah, which is made up of seven books, says the Ben Ishchai. And the Torah Shabbal Peh, and now this is amazing, all of a sudden we see that the Mishnah is actually less books than the Torah Shabbat because the Mishnah is six Sadarim and the Torah Shabbal Peh, sorry, and the Torah Shabbat and the Torah is seven, is, is, is seven books, which is by the way, and that comes together. Kaminyan um, Echad. What is Echad? The word Echad, let's look at the word Echad. Aleph is one. Chet is, um, is eight, which gives you nine. Nine plus four is 15. And if, what he wants to, what, what he wants to say is that if you put the, uh, the seven books of the Torah and the six books of the, uh, of, the, um, of the Mishnah together, that gives you how much? Gives you 13. So that, sorry, it's not six, it's 13, right? Echad is eight plus one is nine plus, plus Dalad is 13. So Echad and the seven books of the Torah and the six books of the Mishnah give you that number Echad which we often don't realize. And therefore, when we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, what we're also saying is to understand that within the Rebbeinu Shal Olam vests all the knowledge of the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat And that's why our Chazal tell us that when we, learn to, when we learn Torah, what we're doing is that we are, we, Hashem is speaking to us because that's his very essence. The echadness of Hashem manifests itself in us learning Torah. And when we daven, we are speaking to him. It's a completely different process. So that's, um, that's something that the, the Ben Ishat shares with us. Then he carries on and he says um, that the, uh, the, the, the concept of, um, of, the, of the, the calling of the Eidah, um, is, 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 is the fundamental thing because when you bring the Eidah together, it's bringing the entire nation together under the, the, the auspices, so to speak, of the, of the, um, of the Torah itself.
So that is a Benish Chai, which I think is a very important part uh, um, of, for us to understand how things work on that level. Carries on the, um, the, the, the Torah and says, that they do this tekiah. So what is this tekiah all about? Why? Remember, there are two sounds. There's tekiah and there's truah. And when the tekiah blows, then everybody comes together. And when, and when the truer blows, um, then there is movement. So there's something in the fact that the word takia seems to imply um, movement as opposed to the, sorry, please imply togetherness, whereas the, the word truer implies movement and, and the, the lack of, of the, the constant being together. So there is a beautiful Hasidic understanding. I just want to get to it. Give me one second. Apology. So the Kedusha's lady says to us a, a very beautiful thing. He tells us, not in this parsha, but he tells us um, in, the, in, the, in the parsha of Bilam, which we're coming up, it says, Hashem Elohav Imo, that Hashem, their God, is with him, a truat melech bo, and the truer of Hashem is within them. So he's, it's clear that um, according to him, he says that... Uh, the way it works is the following, that there are two sounds, the truer and the takiyah, that emanate from this horn, emanate in this case from these two trumpets. And we have to understand what they are. So when we understand, when we, we, we blow on, on Rosh Hashanah, we blow a takiyah. Takiyah is a long sound, and the truer is a broken sound. And uh, understanding what they are will uh, allow us to understand what's going on here. So this is the first, this takiyah, which is, a, which is, a, uh, is an unbroken sound, it symbolizes unity, it symbolizes continuity, it symbolizes the coming together of B'nai Israel. And therefore, when the um, when B'nai Israel coming together, it says the Pasuk is very clear of Hakil And when you bring the nation together, the only way you can do that is by blowing a tekiah sound. It has to be a sound that will be a, a, uh, a coming together sound. It cannot be a sound that in any way or in any shape or form um, somehow reflects discord and disunity. And therefore, he says at the time when the Beis Amikdash stood and the Avodah was done in the Beis Amikdash, it, the, the era of the Beis Amikdash was the era of Tekiah. And he explains that the word Tekiah, the word Taka in Hebrew implies to come to, 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 to unite, to clasp, to fasten. And so therefore, any time when there's a coming together of B'nai Israel in, in oneness, in that way, therefore we have to use tekiah. But the word truer, the word truer is different. And that is um, a, a word that implies fraction, possible discord, not exactly working together. And so therefore, when they travel, when they travel, when they're not completely together, they use the word truer. And that is also why if you go into Pasuk, so it's chapter 10, Pasuk number 9, it says, When there's a milchama in your land, 
that when there's a, an enemy coming against them, you have to blow a truer sound. The truer sound is this broken sound. So why would you, why, why would you blow a truer sound when there's a war? So Chazal look and they say, you know why? Because you have to look carefully at the possum. The possum is talking about a war in your land. It's not talking about where you go to war outside of your land, but it's a war in your very, in, in Eretz Yisrael. How does a war in Eretz Yisrael happen? A war in Eretz Yisrael happens because there is by definition discord amongst the people. And since there is discord amongst the people, you blow through a sound in order for the people to awaken to say, you know what, we better come together. And, uh, and that's such a fundamental part of, uh, of the things I think that we miss often in, the, in, in how we see things is we're often always looking to blame outside and very seldom do we look inside in a real way. And uh, the real way is that whenever there is discord and there is stuff that's happening with, with among, amongst us, there's always going to be enemies against us. You know, there's this whole Black Lives Matter. I don't know. I'm sure everybody's following this. Um, there is so much anti-Semitism that has come out of it. It's actually quite startling to think that a fight against racism has created the most unbelievable racist things. I saw, I saw a thing on Facebook this morning um, where it was Black Lives Matter um, and it was a fight against white supremacy and Jewish privilege. Like how on earth did you switch out of Black Lives Matter to white supremacy and Jewish privilege? So why, where is that coming from and why is it coming from? So maybe it's just, you know, every time one of these challenges come, we have to say, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, this is the time for the truer sound. It's the time for us to hear the brokenness of our communities and, um, and try and bring them together. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. and I don't have the answer to it, but um, maybe we just got to dive in a little bit harder for us to, to feel that, uh, that coming together in a real way. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I just, uh, just a thought that I had. So it carries on the... Um, the Reb Yitzchak of Barjitshev, he says the following. He says, the truest sound by its very nature calls attention to the fact that the Jews are dispersed amongst the Gentiles, lacking this inner cohesion. And as a, res as a result of exile, Hashem delays looking at what the Jewish people are doing in exile as the conditions for them to observe the Torah in full measure do not exist. And it's hard for them to accumulate collective mer merits. What he's saying is that um, when, we are, when we are in fracture and we're in exile, the ability to connect back to that Torah Shabbat al and that Torah Shabbat that we spoke about earlier is very, very, very difficult. And so therefore we have to work even harder to find the space to do that. The, um, the, sorry, there was a beautiful thing that I wanted to share with you. Um, no, I can't find this. Give me one second. Yes, the, so the question is, the question is, what is this, um, what does it mean, when there is this war in, in your land, and the, the enemies are fighting you, and then it says, you'll be remembered. Um, before Hashem. Who's remembering you? How, what do you mean that it'll mean that we will be remembered 
before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, so I saw that what it means is a beautiful idea, is that there's something about these, um, uh, these trumpets that because they were used in the, um, in the movement of B'nai Israel from, uh, from Mitzrayim, so to speak, all the way through into Eretz Israel, that there's something about the sounds that emanate from these trumpets that enables the sound to be collected, so to speak, by the Malachim, by the angels, and the angels bring those sounds to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu then remembers us. Because the fact that there is a war happening in our territory must mean that there is a certain level where Hashem isn't really so happy with us, and therefore it's the, it's the Malachim hear the sound, they bring it, and once they bring it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu delivers us from our enemies, which I think is an important thing to understand. And finally, we can look at the What happens on Yom Tov? What happens on these, uh, these incredible days of great Simcha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes along and he says to us, we must blow these, um, these, uh, these trumpets. What sound do you make? You're making a tekiah sound. You're making the sound of incredible unity. When? on the bringing of the different uh, olahs, and olah is an offering that is brought and completely burnt up um, on, the, on the Mizbayach, on the altar, and the, the shlamim are, are offerings that are brought and are eaten. So you've got two different types of offerings that both of which can bring together B'nai Israel. The one is the complete devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the olah. The other one is where we come together in a social environment in order to... Um, in order to celebrate our Chagim. And those, says the, um, um, says the Torah, those, those will be as a zikaron, as a, as a, as a remembrance between, before Hashem, Ani Hashem so before your God, Ani Hashem I am Hashem your God. So the question is, why, if you look in the Pasuk before, it says, that they'll be remembered before Hashem, your God, and Hashem will deliver you from your enemies. And the second one says, it will be as a memory before your God. I am Hashem, your God. So what is the, what is the Torah trying to teach us um, by, by making a difference in the manner in which it refers to Hashem? First, the one is just to, to refresh, says, Hashem um, and the other one says, So let's try and understand that. So the Natsiv says the following. He's the one who brings in the, the Malachim, the Malachim that come and, um, and remind us, and remind Hashem of us. And he says the following. Remember that... Um, Every time we say hello, we, we have this, um, this, one of the songs that we sing, Hashem Zacharanu Yavarech, Hashem, you remember us, Yavarech, you will bless us, Yavarech, we all know that. So he says that that's what's going on here, that Hashem Zacharanu Yavarech, when Hashem remembers us, he will, um, he will bless us. But what is the difference between these two things? He says that this is the Kavanah, this is what it means. Livnei Hashem means specifically um, 
that uh, that that is what he says. Shehu Aaron or Hatzitz sheaz Hashem who imachem ain't took im b'chatzotzot. He says that when Hashem is with us, um, and uh, where, where the Aaron is present, where the tzitz, the tzitz is the um, the like the crown thing that the um, the Kohen Gadol used to wear, used to wear, which had which had Kodesh Lashem written on it. When those things are before us, then there's always a space of takia. There's always this time of the coming together, and um, and so if that's the time of the coming together, it must mean that when we don't have, when we don't have the coming together, that's when there's going to be war. And therefore, lifnei Hashem what we have to declare is that we are lifnei Hashem. We are, we believe ourselves to be totally in front of our Kodesh Baruch Hu, and in, and understanding that the war demand requires from us that our Kodesh Baruch Hu is um, is protecting us. Where does that come from? It comes. From, it, uh, what does it mean that He's going to protect us from our enemies? Um, surely we want Hashem to protect us at all times, not only when they come and attack us. And so the, the Nitziv explains this is not just any war. What is the war that's going to come into our land and really where we really need a Yeshua? The Yeshua. The, it's the ultimate war. He says that. Um, that it's talking about the war of Gog and Magog, which is a difficult concept to understand. But the point is that we're talking about a time where it's not that we just want Hashem to save us physically from our enemies, but rather what we're wanting is that when we are lifnei Hashem elokeichem, when we are standing before Hashem our God, then what? It's Yeshua gam me'ayev shebeleiv. Our enemies are twofold, says the Nitzv. We have enemies that are there to try and kill us physically. But as we, as we, as are being revealed, the example in this Black Lives Matter thing that we spoke about, is that there are enemies where we are their enemies in their hearts, and they're only expressed those situations, um, those feelings, sorry, in certain situations, and in the world where we have where there are so few boundaries and so few filters as to how how we are able to express ourselves towards people, we find that now um, anti-Semitic statements and things against Amisrael are being said more than ever were before because it's, uh, it's what, what, you know, what you feel you can say. It's an amazing thing, really. We often think um, what people put on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook often, and uh, Natalie shows me some of the things that people put on. It's just dark bizarre. There's a, there is a, um, uh, a Facebook group called The Village. I don't know where it's from, but like they, people put in their most like intimate things. It's just absolutely bizarre that people are prepared to share that. There's no sneers in it. There's no, um, there's no uh, boundaries. There's no filters and no anything, right? But that manifests itself also in the most negative thing that people express the hatred in the way that they express the hatred. And that's what says the Nitzv, says the Nitzv, that when we go out into the war against those who are coming to us in our very spaces, then that's when we need to know that uh, we need our Kodesh Baruch Hu to, to, to bring us Yeshua, not only from the physical wars, but also from the enemy Shebelev, the, 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 the enemy that is in the heart of people, that they will no longer think badly of the way that they do about us. And then the, uh, the final thing comes to teach us that in the time of, um, of, of, the, of the Yom Tevim, um, it says, It'll be a zikaron, it'll be a remembrance before your God. Why is that? Because it's clear, he says, is an indication that there will be a time where we won't have a Beit HaMikdash and we won't be able to be 
even on Yontif, and even on the Muadim, and even on Rosh Chodesh, we won't be able to be in the Beisamik just and see the Kohen Gadol with the tits on his head and be able to, to see Hashem before us. Nonetheless, there is a demand at that point in time, somehow those periods of time are the times that we have to find the space that we have to come together as a people. And the Rambam uh, expresses this, I think, most profoundly in the halachas that he speaks about the Simcha of Yontif. So he speaks about the Simcha of Yontif and he gives all the different halachas. And the different halachas that refer to the Simcha of Yontif are, are, are very beautiful and what we're supposed to do. And they use it from the Gemara and from all the from different uh, Mepharshim. That one of, the, one of the things, the way we express our Simcha on Yontif, so for, for, for men, and it's interesting that he divides it up. For men, the Simcha on Yontif must be Babasa Vayayim. For, for women, says that what we need to do as the husbands is to bring uh, new clothes and new things that bring simcha to, to, to our wives. And finally, um, for the children, they must get, uh, you know, like sweets and chocolates. Um, that's what he says. But then he says the most important part. He says that the simcha that we're supposed to feel on Yontav must be a simcha that we share with everybody around us. How do we share it around us? By making sure that the people are less fortunate than us also have a simcha Yontav. Because if the people that are less fortunate than us do not have a Simchat Yontav because we haven't contributed to their Simchat Yontav, then our Simchat Yontav is not a Simcha of Yontav. He says it's a Simcha of our stomachs. It's an amazing word. Simchat Kreisa. It's a Simcha of our, of, of our own personal um, animalistic desire to enjoy ourselves. And he says that's not Simcha. And I think that's really what, um, when it says, that it will be a remembrance before your God. Ani Hashem Elokeichem. Ani Hashem Elokeichem is the same word that is used. Asher would say, Ticha me'eret Mitzrayim. I took you out of Mitzrayim. And I didn't take you out in different groups. I took you out in one group. And so therefore, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, really this, this, this thing of the Simcha of Yontav is with, with the Tekiah of the coming together is to ensure that our coming together doesn't only include us with our friends, but it also includes us with the people that perhaps are a little bit less fortunate than ourselves to make sure that they also have a Simchat Yontif. And uh, this goes to, goes finally, I think, to the concept of Chesed. Um, and uh, I think that we as a community have so much to be proud of because the Chesed that, you know, uh, you know we, we, are, we are originally from Joburg and then we spent 20 years in Cape Town and to come back here and to see the, the unbelievable Chesed that is done by, on, on a major scale, by the organizations that do it, but also on a much more macro scale, how people are incredible to people um, who, are, who are not always the most easy people to have around. You know, the people who invite um, whoever it is to their homes just because they know that those people need to have a bit of a yontav, have a bit of a Shabbos, have a something. That's an incredible chesed. And I think that that is, that, that is something that we can be so proud of that we manifest the, this concept of Ani Hashem Lokeichem, that I am Hashem, who is the, the, um, the, the, the hearer of the tekiah, of this voice coming together, that we're able to manifest that to the chesed of people, not only the people that we want around our tables. Now, that's the easy part. Nasat Orchim is not always having the people you want around your table. It's also sometimes having the people that perhaps you prefer not to have around your table because, uh, you know, Sometimes they're disturbed, they're not, they don't bring the greatest conversation, but that's the, t- the opportunities of doing incredible chesed. And uh, so I think the, the couple of lessons that we've taken out of here is number one, that we've got this, uh, these two um, 
chatzotrot made out of silver is, is about desire. What is it that we desire? We should desire these two chatzotrot, which are Torah Shabbat that come together as the echad, as the oneness of, um, of the expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world. And that ultimately manifests itself in the Simchat Yontov, which should also manifest itself in the oneness, in the coming together of the community of Kal Yisrael. I hope you enjoyed that share. And uh, please, God, we'll carry on learning next week. Have a beautiful week and a beautiful Shabbos. God bless everyone. Thank you, Rabbi. Excellent.